Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Investment needs to be in proportion to how you see them investing back, not in proportion to how into them you are. Yes. <laughs> that's what we do. They're, they're separate levers. They're both important. They're both important, but they're, it's the emotion and it's the logic and it's getting them to work as a team uh, instead of having one completely hijack the entire operation. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. This is a podcast where I get to talk with people from all over the world who have a story to share and knowledge in areas that we can learn from and apply to our lives to help make us better and happier people. And we're going to go back in the dating train for this one. This is a really fun one. I got to sit down with dating and relationship coach Cora Boyd. She explains how she got into the matchmaking business turned coaching. And from my interactions with her, she's a darn good one. Every question I asked, she had a great response and helped me see things through a different perspective. I could have kept Cora for at least five hours and still been asking her questions, but some of the topics we get into are dating in the modern world on the apps, how the dating culture is different depending on where you live, how to date during these difficult times of COVID, and the ever-debated, who pays on the first date? Cora has so much great knowledge and advice, it's no wonder she's one of the best out there. She makes it obvious why it's a great idea to have a coach in your corner on your journey of dating, relationships, and ultimately finding love. She's the real deal. So no matter if you're single, you're dating, you're married, you're in a relationship, this is an episode that... I know you're going to be able to take something from, uh, you're going to relate to it, and I'm pretty damn sure you're going to be laughing at me through this one too. So without further ado, let's get it rolling. So today in this podcast, we have dating coach and relationship expert, I will call you after viewing your website and Instagram, Cora Boyd. Cora, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, it's sunny out in Seattle, so that's always a good day. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I am, as I just told, we just had a little conversation before we started this. I am super pumped to have you. You were a recommendation from one of my best friends, Brian. You were on his podcast a couple of years ago, and he recommended you. I listened to the podcast. I looked at your Instagram and website. I said, yep. I have to get you on this. And I was persistent to get you on this. You're a busy one. So I appreciate you taking the time. Um, this is going to be a good one. Um, so let's kind of dive right into it. So yeah. as I just said, you're a dating coach. Like, Let's yeah. go through your history and how you got there. Because I'm really curious how someone gets to a, a kind of like a, a position like this. Yeah. Yeah, I think notably too, it's a, a self-created position. So um, very much on purpose is the answer. Um, 
So I started out as a matchmaker and that was something that I didn't even know existed or, you know, like I knew it existed in Fiddler in the Roof or, you know, whatever. But um, I, uh, so a handful of years ago, I guess this was 20, uh, a handful of years ago, <laughs> sometime back then, um, I heard about matchmaking as a um, kind of re-emerging industry, high-end matchmaking. Um, and I got into that. I matchmade for two years. And then through that experience, I learned a lot. I got to essentially just do a bunch of market research because I was interviewing. I talked to thousands of people over the course of those two years thousands of people all over the country, all walks of life, um, all different professions about uh, dating and what mattered to them and what was attractive to them and what was unattractive to them and, and what their fears around it were and um, what their frustrations around it were and what their excitements were. And um, so I really, really got tuned into that and started to be able to see, okay, like, what are the common threads here? And then also what are the ways in which like this being everyone's personal life, what are the ways in which this is deeply, deeply personal to each individual person? Mm -hmm. um, and I really started to see too, okay, um, how valuable would it be? Cause I, I, would, I would work with clients and then um, I, could, I would see them repeating patterns. Right. So I would get feedback from the people they would go on dates with. I would see them repeating patterns and I was starting to see if, okay, these most people could really benefit from doing the under the hood work of like behavioral patterns or like mm -hmm. how you're showing up or how you're even sourcing your own dates, right. Um, being your own matchmaker. Um, so that's what inspired me to move into coaching. Um, and then I was coaching men specifically for about two years. Um, and I am now working with everyone, which is very exciting. I'm doing my first all women's program, um, which started a few weeks ago, but that's kind of the, that's the journey. Um, so really just followed one curiosity to the next and was looking at like, what do people need? What do people need around this? And what, what am I good at? And what's exciting to me and what actually feels like, um, impactful in a long-term kind of way. Yeah, there is. I can attest there is a need for what you do. Um, I've stated on my podcast before previously, I'm 37, I'm single, I'm looking. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of don't know you need it until someone points it out. Like, you're not doing this right. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, where, now you said you saw like the date, were you hearing feedback or did you literally see the dates and like watch what was going oh, on? Oh, I wish, I wish I did. It would explain quite a lot. Sometimes the feedback, I was like, what on earth happened? Oh, God. saying completely different things from each other. <laughs> like, I'm like, what happened? I wish I could have been a, a fly on the wall, but no, I would basically, I would get feedback from both of them afterwards. So if I started to notice, okay, three people in a row said the same thing, like there might be something to it, mm. but I would be really selective in, in how I presented that to clients and like what I presented, just uh, that experience, getting to see, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dates, the feedback from both people really um, emphasized for me how much one person does not hold the world's opinion in dating yeah. or in anything. So, um, 
Yeah. And, and I would say to your point too, it's definitely something we could all use. It's something we could all use. And a lot of my clients too, um, they just want to deepen relationships, mm -hmm. whether it's deep in a relationship they're already in, deep in friendships, like have deep, like more fun and fulfilling experiences dating, whatever it might be. Um, so people come to me for all different kinds of reasons. And, and sometimes it's just to like enhance the quality, turn up the volume and like feel more like in the driver's seat of the whole operation rather than like just reacting to what's coming their way. Mm -hmm. So, so a, a big um, part of my teachings is to help people feel more agency in their love lives and feel like, Oh, if this happens, like I understand these fundamental dynamics over here. So like, here's my best course of action instead of just this, like stumbling around wondering what the fuck, like fearing you're doing everything wrong. Um, mm -hmm. So it's that education is a huge piece. For sure. Um, so how did you, I guess, get into matchmaking? Like what makes someone like a qualified matchmaker? And I will, <laughs> I will preface this by saying I was contacted by a matchmaker last mm -hmm. December, I think it was, or November. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's like, like it's kind of cool. It's a cool feeling or whatever. Um, at that time I was on match.com, which I swore I would never sign up for again, but I got, I got contacted by a matchmaker and it's like, how do they know who to place me with and like, where does the qualifications come from and, and whatnot? And I imagine I could be wrong, but I imagine the more you did that and the more you, the more you got used to what, how do people connect it and how to link them together? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember what uh, matchmaking company reached out to you? Uh, it was a Car Carolina, oh. some, somewhere here oh, in Carolina. Carolina matchmakers. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I think so. Founder. Yeah. Yeah. I know the founder someone in oh, Northern boy. Cause I used to live in Louisiana. So I feel you. I feel you. Um, well, I'm still single. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, that one didn't pan out. I should have found um, you first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, how did I get into it? So th this is kind of funny. I had no idea what I wanted to do, uh, professionally. I, I was, kind of lost or uh, I was like in a place where I I had certain ideas of what I wanted it to feel like or like how I wanted to spend my time but like that didn't really fit into a lot of what I was seeing available as like career paths so I was in kind of an angsty time <laughs> you know asking myself a lot of existential questions I was traveling a lot so I was like doing in a very exploratory time um and I heard uh, actually a friend of mine uh, had moved out to San Francisco and started working for a matchmaking company there. And I was like, what? A matchmaking company? I was very intrigued. And then my sure. friend Sasha, she ended up um, uh, starting her own business, uh, matchmaking business, which she was uh, very successful at in the Bay Area and then uh, moved on to a next chapter of her life. Um, but she had a great a great run as a matchmaker on her own. Um, so I, uh, was helping her out with her venture. Cause I just like, I have always been very interested in people and, uh, connecting with people and psychology. And like, um, I've always loved dating, uh, which I started to notice when I was matchmaking, I was like, Oh, not everyone feels that way. <laughs> let, let me help them love it. Um, so that was like a big pull. Um, and 
so I, I also had this idea that I wanted to work remotely because I had been traveling and I had met some people who are doing the whole digital nomad thing and they were working remotely. So I was just looking around on, um, you know, some indeed.com or something like that. Work, we work remotely.com. Actually, yeah, it was we work remotely.com. And I saw a remote, a, a listing for a remote job for a matchmaker. And I was like, thank wow. you, universe. Perfect. <laughs> I guess I'm not insane. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then I applied. And in terms of like qualifications, um, you know, most people there there's not really matchmaking school there is a matchmaking institute uh but most people who are doing the job that i did they didn't come from a matchmaking background because you know it most people don't right <laughs> um, so i think that they there was a quite a rigorous application process and like interview process where we had to do all these role plays and like answer all these questions and um i think they looked for a certain set of qualities of then who could learn it Cause it really was, you, you learned it by doing it. You learned it by doing it and by like starting to plug in to like, Oh, okay. Actually like I can, by the way this person presents themselves or like these compatibility factors. And it, it really is it, like, it, it's a very intuitive process. So like there are certain things that like are definitely very important for compatibility, but what, what I, what you learn too, when you're making these matches and like seeing how, you know, seeing how it goes, um, it really is like playing small god. In, in exactly. It's, like it's pretty master. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter if, if two people are a perfect match on paper. I also don't believe in perfect matches also. But um, it's funny because one of my questions I have here is, do you believe in soulmates? And, yeah, uh, I do believe in soulmates. Do, I do. you? I thought yeah, your answer would be no after that. Oh yeah. No, I just don't think it's perfect. I don't, I think we need to let go of like perfection as a metric for anything having to do with relationships and mm -hmm. humans. Yep. Because uh, we're, we're just little humans, you know, we're, we're messy. We mess up sometimes. Like even in a great relationship, there are times when you're out of sync. There are times when you're like, there are ways that you're different. There are ways that you have to like learn to be on the same page on things. Um, so, um, uh yeah it, it's it's a kind of a uh an art form really because there are definitely certain ingredients that help but another one of the biggest variables too is like how do both of the people show up so let's say they both have these qualities that on paper are potentially very compatible but they like someone is grumpy mm -hmm. someone is feeling shy and like doesn't have doesn't know how to flirt like, it doesn't matter if on paper they're a perfect match, quote unquote, if they both show up and are, um, don't have the skills, right? Mm -hmm. Don't have the skills to be on the date. Because it is a specific skill set for dating. It's social skill adjacent, but there are specific skills to it um, that are learnable. That are learnable, just like you can learn to interview <laughs> for a job, right? Just like you can learn to do a lot of these things. And, and I think um, that's also what inspired me to move into coaching because I was seeing how much like there's such a, a, a narrative around like, oh, you're either, you know, you either get lucky or you don't, or you either, um, you know, are good at this or you're not. You either have game or you don't have game, but mm -hmm. like you actually can learn, you, you can learn it. Yeah, that's a um, <laughs> that's a super cool perspective, and 
I'm just, I'm literally sitting here wondering if you were ever in the beginning of the matchmaking process, like, whoops, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes I would, um, I mean, and that's also part of why I moved to coaching because I was like, I am not interested in taking responsibility for other adult humans' behaviors and then them being like, why did you blah, blah, blah? I'm like, bro, that's you're the point. one who said that thing on the date. <laughs> like, I wasn't there. Um, yeah, so so that's a, another reason why. But yeah, I certainly have um, quite an arsenal of, of interesting uh, incidents from the matchmaking days. So I'm super curious, um, being on the dating, zap my, dating apps myself, I tend to run into a lot of women that are recently single. Mm. It's one of those, let's get over my ex type of thing. Mm. And you take a liking to them and the timing is completely off. Mm. Um, do you, what do you do in a situation like that when someone's like really freshly single and they come to you and say, hey, I want to get out there. Like, do you have mm. any advice for them? Because that's, that's really tough. Yeah, yeah. I think that... Um there's emotional processing that needs to happen for you to be available, emotionally available to another person. And, um, you know, sometimes we rush that, right? Also, I mean, honestly, sometimes you meet someone a week after you just broke up with someone else and that's just what, how it fucking goes. Right. <laughs> um, so it depends on the person if the, um, and, and obviously like your experience, it, it can be, a little frustrating when you're really interested in someone and they're just not really available for you. Exactly. They think they are. They think they are, but they're they not. realize they're not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um I think we all get some grace in re-entering the dating space. It's uh can be disorienting for anyone to go from a relationship to then, oh my God, I'm dating these people that aren't this other person. And inevitably, it's not gonna be completely clean every time. But I, I would encourage uh, people to give themselves some space to process. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you re-enter, re um, do so gently, gently with yourself and then, um, be honest with other people about where you're at and like it, it sounds like maybe they were right maybe they were and then on your end or like whoever's on the other side you get to decide oh cool if this person is two weeks out of a relationship like do i want to invest my hope and energy here and and then you get to tread gently with that too and and also hold space for like there's no hard and fast rule sometimes people do meet two right. weeks afterwards but it's like we invest in proportion to how much we see the, you know the other person investing and vice versa which means that we have to take some risks to invest and see if they'll meet us there we don't mm -hmm. just follow their lead all the time but um i would just really be honest with yourself and this is like where in dating and romantic relationships the biggest um click is to recognize that it's both a logical stri strategical uh, process and it's an emotional one and if we don't realize that both are equally important and that they, we need to have them in conversation with each other uh, we might go only strategy and not even pay attention to like oh dude I was feeling some red flag like I could feel it <laughs> right yeah. or we might go to only feelings and say oh I'm just gonna like triple text this person because I'm so excited about it when we're not taking into an account like there is strategy involved in this process. Um, 
So, so on that note, I would encourage anyone on the other side to like really be honest with the logical part, which is, am I like, I might be really excited about this person. Like, are they saying things like that indicate they're not available? Are they mm-hmm. saying things that indicate it might not be the best place for me to invest my heart in right now? Um, Cause yeah, yeah that, I, I feel you, I've been there. That can be really frustrating when you're, you're into someone and you're like, God, they're, they're, on, they're technically available, but they're not. Right, and yeah. see, I'm, gonna, I'm asking you questions based on my experience, but I, I know there's gonna be plenty of listeners listening to this that, yep, I've been there before and I can relate to that. And so I'm going to hit up a bunch of questions for you, but I do like the fact that you said um, investing as much as they invest in you. That's something where I'll be honest with you. I had to learn that the hard way. Many times I was, I would find a connection with someone and be like, Oh, this is great. You know, and and set my focus on that. Was it getting the investment back? And I loved on, uh, Brian uh, Andreco's podcast that you had with him, you mentioned Esther Perel mm-hmm. and who I have heard of because I'll be honest with you, my man crush is Matthew Hussey and Matthew <laughs> Hussey's idol is Esther Perel. Esther, yeah. So as soon as when you, when you said uh, Esther Perel on his podcast, I was like, yep, mm-hmm, we're going to have a good conversation. And that's one thing I've learned is to invest into somebody what they invest into you. And that's yeah. a good way. That's a good way to measure, I guess, the, the temperature in the room and exactly. how it, and, how and recognizing it. that investment needs to be in proportion to how you see them investing back, not in proportion to how into them you are. Yes. <laughs> that's what we do. They're, they're separate levers. They're both important. They're both important, but they're, it's the emotion and it's the logic and it's getting them to work as a team. Uh, instead of having one completely hijack the entire operation. That is very difficult. Very <laughs> it is. It is, especially when you're really into someone. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't care. Like, or we get over analytical because we're so emotionally invested that like, that we just really worry about every action we're taking. And my biggest, I would say, issue could be a word, and I guess question mark would be another is when it comes to like the dating apps and I keep bringing up the dating apps because they're rather popular these days. And obviously we're in COVID more people are, are online is how much do you turn up the dial onto someone you're interested in knowing that there's others out there interested mm-hmm. in the same person It becomes somewhat of a competition and it's like a fine line. Do I show interest? How much interest do I show? Do I overly do it? And mm. it's, it's just such an analytical thinking game. And mm. it's, it's honestly, it's not, it takes the fun of the dating too, a little bit, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. We definitely need to express interest because that's actually something that invites investment from another person. So this is actually something I've seen pretty commonly with my male clients is sometimes the bottleneck of the entire situation is just that they don't flirt and they don't express interest. Um, And that's often because they're trying to be respectful and they don't, you know, they don't, they don't clearly understand where that line is, um, which is what I, part of what I help them with um, to understand that. But yeah, you absolutely have got to express interest and expressing interest is a form of investment, right? But it's understanding from their perspective that they're going to invest if they see you investing, right? They're going to say, oh, okay, like, 
I'm not going to go invest in this person who's not expressing any interest in me, right? When there are other people that are. So to the point of uh, knowing that there are other people interested in them, that of, of course, right? right. And, and like for someone who is very covetable or, um, you know, Matthew Hussey calls high value. I use that term too. And just to clarify to anyone listening, it's like, this is not to say that more pe some people are more valuable than others. It's just, are you standing in your value? Are you mm -hmm. acting from your value? Are you being in your value or are you forgetting <laughs> and not and not acting from that place? So if for someone who's very high value and, and covetable in, in the dating market, yeah, there's gonna be other people. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing to recognize is that they might be getting a lot of attention that's not, uh, that's ingenuine, uh, or irritating, or they might be getting a lot of genuine attention, in which case, like, YOLO, why not throw your hat in the ring? Worst case scenario, it doesn't pan out. Right, right, good point. That's a great yeah. point. <laughs> but we express interest in proportion to what we know, right? So you, you let's say you're just looking at someone's profile and you're, you, we don't express interest beyond the point that we know we're interested in, because that's actually low value behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we express it, we're like, okay, the, the subtext beneath it is, I like what I see so far, I'm curious to learn more, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the level of investment of the expressing energy at that phase versus like, you're the most amazing person and like, oh my God, I think you're my future girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, she's like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? How on earth would he even know that from, he doesn't even know me, right? So it's really about the other person feeling special and feeling that that, that interest is, is earned and merited based on you actually knowing them. And this is why you're a dating coach. This is all really, <laughs> this is all really great advice. I want to hit you one with, with one right here that I'm super interested in. Seeing as how you are currently in Seattle, you're mm -hmm. from Louisiana, I'm from New York, and now I'm down in North Carolina. We're from all over the country. And I'm actually originally from DC and then D I moved there to- There we go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you've got a lot of flavor going on there. So mm -hmm. I am curious, with your perspective, how dating is different in different regions of the country. Yeah. And, and I will preface this because I'm just going to like put one on the T for you right here is mm -hmm. growing up in New York, a lot of, and I'm generalizing a mm -hmm. lot of strong women in my family. Um, mm -hmm. That's just all around me, family, cousins, friends, all that stuff. Yeah. There is obviously strong women everywhere, but when I moved down South, I saw more and more women getting married at 22, 23, 24 that completely threw me into a culture shock because <laughs> I was trying to approach these women and they were already getting engaged and married. And I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know your perspective on dating in different areas of the country. Yeah. It's definitely different. And that was one of the interesting parts too of um, not only matchmaking, but I work with clients all over the country, actually international too. So that's something I um, get to talk about with them because it is, it's different. Cultural, cu culture comes into play for dating culture, right? Dating culture is very different place to place and like courtship, or like how in the South, for example, and of course, generally speaking, but uh, 
the dynamic tends to be more traditional man pursues woman, woman likes to be wooed and courted, right? And, and real quick, I want to preface that that's what I meant by, I, I probably misused the term strong woman. I, that's what I meant. It was more of like mm -hmm. a stronger personality. The women will go after what they want as much as the men. Yeah, totally. Very and down here, so yeah. different. Right, right. It, it, it is, there are different cultures and there's also things that come into play like New York City, for example, is uh, dating wise uh, a, a man's market. They're more eligible uh, actively dating women than there are men. Seattle is, uh, which actually has been voted the worst city for dating in the country. Wow. Uh, <laughs> part of why I moved here actually, I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna tap into that market. <laughs> yeah, um, so, uh, Seattle is, has a lot more men. The ratio is skewed where there's a lot more actively dating men. Um, so that's a consideration too. That comes into play and then that comes like intersects with the culture of the place. And um, yeah, it, it's quite different place to place. And that being said, statistics don't really matter to the individual. So it's about, uh, you know, finding one person. Right. clicking with one person or multiple if that's your thing cool right but like <laughs> not the entire population of the city i mean I, hopefully not during covid right <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah it's quite and and dating you know i'd say even west coast to east coast and on the east coast um the culture is much more assertive and a little bit more um competitive and, and very direct, right? Uh, where like Seattle, for example, you go to a bar and this is gonna be unimaginable for a New Yorker to hear. They actually, you know, you know how in New York you would, uh, and I'm from DC, so you know how you would go to a bar, you gotta like kind of like elbow your way up to the bar. Oh, yes. Yep. And you gotta like flap your dollar bills around, like yep. getting the <laughs> bartender's attention. <laughs> in Seattle, they wait in orderly lines. Wow. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. I was alarmed when I was, you know, trying to elbow everyone to the bar and I was like, it's, oh, it's damn, gotta be I'm the pot. Really it's, right it's the pot dispensaries, right? That's what it's gotta <laughs> exactly. be. It's the pot dispensaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely differs uh, place to place. And it's not only the culture, it's the, the ratio, it's the geographics. It's like very unique factors. Um, in the larger picture to every every location and the thing to remember with that because i know that like sometimes people hear that and honestly too and I, i've talked to people all over the world almost everyone says that where they are dating sucks <laughs> you'll be like know what? you're right the worst where i am and i'm like you're oh right. interesting because i'm pretty sure it's i just heard it's the worst in these five other places too so what like the thing with that is just to remember that statistics don't matter to the individual. This is about how you show up. This is about connecting with one person. So like, there's no need to feel discouraged or victimized by the particular dating culture around you. Um, Cause you don't have to adhere to that. You don't have to. And if you want to work with it, if you want to be aware of it, uh, that's great. But I would uh, encourage anyone listening to not use that as an excuse to not actively participate and take responsibility for how you're showing up. Great point. And it's funny you said, because 
a lot of people I do know when I travel or friends at different locations, they all say dating here is terrible. <laughs> and it's funny because I say about three or four years ago, I was seriously considering like changing locations, just changing the dating pool and the culture and trying something else. Like, cause dating for me down here has been somewhat of a struggle. I've had some relationships yeah. I made some great friends, but it's been somewhat yeah. of a struggle. And, and that's real. Sometimes you're, you're like, damn, I'm in the wrong market. Yeah. I, and yeah. I've, I've toyed with that idea many of times, but the thing is too, is like, I love my job here. Mm -hmm. I have a new house here. I have friends here. There's things to do. I like where I live. Like, yeah. am I willing to give all that up for another crapshoot where other people are complaining about being too? So it's, it's a gamble literally. Yeah. Well, it's also just a matter of like, in that case, and this is what I encourage people to do in Seattle too, um, because uh, part of why Seattle dating culture is so notorious is because it's a very um, kind of introverted culture. Um, it's and it's not as direct as like you and I might be used to. Um, people kind of leave each other alone for the most part. It's it's harder to meet people. They call it the Seattle freeze um, because it's not commonplace to go talk to someone you don't know. Um, uh, like it wouldn't be as big a deal on the East coast. Um, but because of that, all women in Seattle are super, like pretty much everyone in Seattle is frustrated about that. Right. So like the only thing to do is not play to the norm because how fucking refreshing is that to all the people who are complaining about the norm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the move is to, like, who do you want to meet? Who's the type of person you want to meet who isn't necessarily the standard Raleigh girl or isn't necessarily dating in the standard Raleigh ways? And like, how can you like have the courage to show up really visibly and like, hey, here I am and here's what I'm about so that the other person like who is like that as well, who absolutely in a, in a big city, absolutely there are people for you, can yeah. see you and identify you and be like, oh God, that's refreshing. That's different. I, th I definitely bring a little New York flavor. I'm yeah. definitely direct, and sometimes they just don't know how to handle that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel you. But here's here's a question because you just said approaching somebody. Mm -hmm. So something I've gotten better at doing. Um, the older I've gotten, more confidence I've got, and approaching somebody isn't quite as difficult. Mm -hmm. I guess the thing that's somewhat difficult to me is without being direct, unless just being direct is the best way to do this. How do I find out if she has a boyfriend earlier in the conversation before blowing 10 to 15 minutes mm. thinking it's going really well. And then she drops the, I'm hanging out with my boyfriend this weekend or something. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a line or is there like a tactic that you have for this? Yeah. I think that the first is she might not tell you right away because she, she might, it's okay to feel each other out for 10 to 15 minutes. And what I always encourage too is like, especially if approaching someone in a public space, um, start friendly. It also makes it lower stakes for you because if you can just get in the habit of doing that and in the habit of opening up conversations and enjoying connecting with different people, um, when someone happens to be an attractive woman, you're, you're, nervous system isn't going to freak out because you're like oh i just do the same thing i always do where i'm friendly and then like then you gauge is this person engaged in the conversation is she like making eye contact does she appear to be enjoying this like is there does there feel like some attraction right and then you start to bring in the flirtation right 
you start to bring in the flirtation. Um, so I think it's totally okay if no one mentions it in the first 10 to 15 minutes, because she doesn't even necessarily know she's interested to tell you that she has a boyfriend, right? Or it might not come up. Um, and, you know, sometimes you ask someone out and they're like, oh, thank you so much. Like, I have a boyfriend. And in which case, like, you're you're letting her know she's still got it. That's going to make her day. She's totally <laughs> taking her friends home on the way home, right? Like, so it's a gift to both of you because she can be like, oh, thank And then you you can feel, oh, that's, you know, bummer. But, like, I'm not going to die. That's not that big a deal. You can ask directly. You can ask directly. Um but honestly, I would just feel out the connection. And if it, you get 10 to 15 minutes in and then she mentions a boyfriend, cool. You just had a nice 10 to 15 minute conversation uh, yeah. with someone. Yeah. I, th I think you just, you're, you hit it on the head where you just got to see it. Take it slow and see it as a positive either way and make a small connection and kind of see Yeah. It. And she also, like, let's say she didn't have a boyfriend and you asked her in the first four minutes uh she might not be ready to tell that to you yet that's true that's you might true. not be invested enough in the connection that you're having to even want to answer that question right so i'd focus on the connection and then if she does she does if she doesn't awesome and like let's say you're giving her your number or whatever it might be like you can say well i'd love to you know get a coffee sometime this is really fun we can continue this conversation and like um you can clarify too, like maybe as a date, right? And like, you get to work through that clunky little awkward moment together. And like, it probably will be awkward, but that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Dating is awkward. It is. And this is what I love the fact that you are a woman coach. Granted, you're working with everyone now, but you were more mm -hmm. focused on men yeah. because I need, not just me, but guys in general need perspective from a woman when yeah. we're approaching women. This makes yeah. sense in the world. And I like, like, um, obviously I mentioned Matthew Hussey and yourself, like there's granted you're aiming this towards men, but at the same time, a lot of this kind of relates to both genders. Like I totally large yeah. majority of what you guys coach goes Absolutely. both ways, which is why I relate and I respect it. I really like that. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's just to build on what I said too. It's like taking uh, like, Efficiency has a role in dating. Efficiency has a role, certainly, because we want to filter people out, right? We want to get rid of the wrong people faster. We don't want to, you know, we want to protect our hearts. We don't want to just like endlessly hemorrhage our energy left and right. But when it comes to building connection, um, that or, or flirtation, efficiency doesn't really have that much of a role. And if like, let's say you're talking to a woman and like, the, the desire to ask, oh, does she have a boyfriend in the first few minutes might be there from the, for the sake of efficiency, but efficiency doesn't have a role in connection building. Right? I'm super efficient. That <laughs> I can feel it. Yeah. And that's an awesome quality. Right. And it, it, it plays a role in different aspects of dating. Right. And like, but just recognizing that like, it might, might be efficient for you, but it might not, not actually be efficient for the relationship because she might be like, whoa, that's too much investment too. We've been talking for three minutes. I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm interested in this guy yet. Right. In my mind, I'm in my mind, I am thinking she's thinking, oh, he's coming over here to hit on me. But mm. maybe, obviously, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she just thinks that I want to have a conversation with someone random. But in, in my mind, it's like she has to know that I'm approaching her because I think she's super attractive. But Yeah. 
yeah, and she probably does. Let's be honest. She probably does know. <laughs> but that's where you keep it friendly and you, you by like focusing just on the connection, if, if it comes to a point where she's like, oh, I actually, you know, I have a boyfriend. She's probably not, you know, she might offer that information without you asking, but she'll mm -hmm. probably offer that information when you ask for her info, when you ask for her information, right? Yeah. For her contact info. Um, but it's like just keeping it friendly and then really gauging, is she, is she flirting back with me? Is she not? Is she like, and then if she's, if she's not reciprocating it, then you like rolling with that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of like meeting somebody, mm -hmm. I have two questions. They kind of go hand in hand. Where is the best place to actually meet somebody that's, we're going to get rid of the online dating apps briefly. Yeah. And where, so where's the best place and is the gym possible? Because I have heard, <laughs> I've heard a lot of negatives, but at the same time, I see constant faces at the gym. It's like, I, you know, constant eye contact. It's like, mm -hmm. this girl is living a healthy lifestyle. She mm -hmm. looks pretty good. Um, <laughs> I would we have, we have the same interest in fitness and health. So, yeah. but I've heard from so many of my girlfriends don't ever approach a girl at the gym. We just want to get there to work out. We're sweating. We have no makeup on. We just want to go, mm. go home. Where, mm. What is your take on that? Yeah. So there are various factors to consider. I, first of all, fully believe that you can meet someone literally anywhere because it happens all the time. <laughs> it does. It happens mm -hmm. all the time. So no rules, right? But there are considerations. There are variables to consider, especially as a guy approaching women, because one of the things you want to consider is her comfort and her feeling of safety. Um, so with the gym, for example, I mean, people deep... They meet at the gym. You can right. totally meet someone at the gym. Sometimes women sign up for the gym because they want to meet guys, right? But if they have headphones on, what do you do? Leave it alone or? You, you have to start, you have to throw in a low ball, right? And that's what the same with any interaction. You start friendly, you start low key, and you see how they engage. So what, something I suggest to men a lot is like, if you're going to open up a conversation with a woman, um, you know, uh, with a stranger, with someone you don't know, even honestly, just in general, <laughs> or, you know, we didn't start our conversation this way. That's fine. But start with something that she could feasibly respond to with a grunt. So let's say like, we, I call it the side comment. Like, let's say you're at a bar, she's drinking a drink there. You come up to the bar, you're ordering something and like, you kind of like say something to her that if she wasn't in the mood to engage, she could be like, mm-hmm. Okay. Or she could be like, oh, yeah, mm. right? Or if yeah. she is in the mood to engage, she'd be like, totally, right? Like, you're going to see. But start with something like a soft pitch, because if she doesn't want to engage, it's going to be obvious, right? Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, okay, you're just a friendly dude who, like, does that just goes around and is friendly, right? So it, it allows you to save face and it allows also um, the opportunity for her to not engage if she doesn't want to engage, right? So let's say you're at the gym, you're at the water fountain or whatever it might be, or even she had her headphones in, right? Generally, when someone has their headphones in or they're like in the zone, they, they might want to be left alone, but we most of us have the headphones in at the gym because <laughs> we're listening to music. Right. Mm -hmm. So you might be like, Hey, like great shoes. Right. And she's like, what? 
<laughs> and you're yeah. like, I love those shoes. Those are great. And then that's something she could feasibly respond to with something grunt-ish. I call it grunt-worthy comment, right? She could be like, oh, thanks, and go back in, yeah. right? Yep. Or she could be like, oh, thank you. Yes, they're my favorite workout shoes. And then you're like, oh, she's feeling talkative. Cool. Mm -hmm. Let me uh, build on that a little bit, right? Let me invest a little bit more in this conversation. But you can approach anyone, you just do so in such a way that it's very evident that if they don't want to engage, you're not going to press the matter. I'm taking notes here. And I've done that before. <laughs> I've done the whole nice shoes things and stuff. And I truly yeah. mean it because there's it's a great one. Hey, everyone likes their own shoes. And it's a you don't have to think of anything new to say. And like, it's very clear. I mean, you're being friendly. And it's very clear. She knows you're, you're kind of wanting to start conversation, right. but it's so casual that if it, it's not a big deal for either of you, if she just says, thanks. And then, so, so if you notice someone dissing, like acknowledge and then disengage immediately, like they don't want to chat. Yep. Take the hint. Yeah. Move on. Move on. Exactly. And then you're <laughs> like, well, gave, paid her a nice compliment on her shoes. You tried. Yeah. And so let's go to, we are recording this during the days of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping this will be done sooner than later. But for the foreseeable future, we're all wearing masks. Mm -hmm. How in the world is it possible to approach people wearing masks, especially when we're supposed to socially dis distance? Mm -hmm. Is this possible? Or what is your recommendation in this situation? Yeah, so um, it is possible. I think, it, and that's the thing to remember is like, and what I see a lot is that people are like, oh, we only, people only meet on apps now, or like people don't approach at bars anymore. It's like, who made up those rules? Like, who said that? Of course you can, they're the same people who are on the apps are circulating the same streets, are going to the same coffee shops, are going to the grocery store. It's like, there are people everywhere. A lot of people want to engage, especially because a lot of people are isolated, right? So um, depending on what the setting is, right? And like if you're if you're wearing mask or let's say you're at a park and like you're uh, 12 feet apart, right? Um, actually, I was sunbathing at the park the other day and a guy asked me out and it was wonderful. And I, I did the whole, oh, thank you so much. I have a boyfriend, but thank you. And then he was like, uh, and then, you know, I texted my friends on the way home. That's what I'm saying. It's like, well, it's like do you, you have a boyfriend? I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's you never, joke. you never know when you get that response. You're like, you better not be lying to me. <laughs> right. But even if she is, what she's telling you is she's not available yeah, and that's exactly. okay. And maybe that's a gentle way that she's saying that. Right. Um, so, and that, that's all the information you need to know. But um, yeah, this dude, I, I, he was maybe like seven feet away from me. <laughs> he asked me out at the park. Someone asked me out at the Costco uh, gas station. <laughs> Well, you said like, Seattle, Seattle free. What, what Seattle freeze is this? <laughs> You're killing it. Oh, I'm, I came here from New Orleans. It doesn't exist for me. It also doesn't exist for me because of how I show up. Right. Because mm. I, because I'm friendly because I, I am like engaged with people. It's also because I'm available for it. Like I'll make eye contact with people. I'll smile yeah. at people. So like, I think I register differently. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it depends on the environment you're in. Um, uh, you know, keep your distance, keep your distance, but you could do the same thing you would do either way. And you can also kind of like bond over 
oh, like I can't read your facial expressions. I'm assuming you're laughing, right? That is, does make it tricky with the mask. It's like you, you can't read social cues as well because you can't see their face. That's exactly the problem because I was um, at the mall like a couple of weeks ago and this girl was like kind of assisting me and she kept coming back around. I was like, this girl, I think, I think is cute. I can't really tell. I can't really see if she's smiling. I don't, I really, I was like, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. So so that was that. I would say go for it. I mean, you never know. You never know. And it's also like with dating, you have to be willing to like, be like, oops, that was awkward. Or like, oops, (laughs) that didn't go that well. But like, it's okay. It's okay. It happens. It happens. And like you build more confidence by actually moving through those moments than mm-hmm. you do by having just like slam dunk after slam dunk. Right. For sure. Um, Cause ultimately you're not that afraid to approach people. If you are like, okay, worst case scenario, I just move through a mildly awkward encounter here. Um, but uh, some, I mean, you could say something to the effect of like, I can't, you know, can't see because of your mask, but like, I'm assuming you're smiling, right? But you can just play with it and like play up the awkwardness because okay. it's awkward for both of you. Um, but like, yeah, let's say you were at CVS and someone was in the line. I, I think like people are really craving friendly interaction right now too and like social interactions. So um, I'd read the same cues. I read the eye contact mm-hmm. in terms of engagement a lot if you can't see with the mask, but People are meeting. I think people are always going to want to date. So it's certainly not uh, dead. I <laughs> wish we had. And a lot of people are meeting online, right? That was the case before. Um, but yeah, we all want a good story. We all want a good COVID story. Be the one to give it to someone. I'm trying, but I, I really wish I had this conversation like two weeks ago. And then that's a great, that was a great like line. Like I'm assuming you're smiling behind that mask. That's uh, or maybe I'll have to go back to the mall. <laughs> Yeah, go back to the mall, right? Or just be like, I like your shoes, right? Like, whatever. Just like, say something. In a, because what's the alternative, right? Is it's like, the what's the bigger fear? I think this is something Matthew Hesse says. It's the fear of like moving through an awkward moment worse or misreading something or whatever. In which case you're, you're wearing a mask. So you get to keep a little anonymity in your embarrassment. Yeah. Or it's the fear like not doing not doing shit and then like living with your inaction, right? Yeah. I think that the move is to just get way more playful and like practice being friendly like this, like a muscle. Yeah. I think I do need to practice more. I think I was getting better at practicing. I'm still, I'm decent, but at the same time, we all have our moments of, you know, just not feeling it and or mm-hmm. being thrown into a pandemic and just not knowing how to respond to a situation like that when we're both okay. being told to stay away and cover our masks or cover our faces yeah. with masks and stuff. And I guess it kind of threw yeah. me for a curveball. I'm going to give you another question that is kind right. of a, a, a debate. I debate this with my friends, my girlfriends. Um, how does paying on the first date go? in your world. What is your opinion? What is your advice with that situation? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, in a male female relationship where there's, and and, you know, and Raleigh, North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all. Y'all. Yeah. I, I encourage guys to pay on the first date. Um, Mostly. So here's how I, here's how I think of money moving in relationships. It's really about the gesture. It's really about when you, because think about it, you go get 
ramen with your female friend, you're probably going to split the tab, right? Like there's something about picking up the tab for someone, whether she's picking up the tab for you, you're picking up the tab for her, you know, whatever the case may be. It's a gesture that distinguishes that, oh, okay, here's a date vibe, here's a friend vibe, right? And um, I think the thing to recognize here is that there are personal preferences around this, right? Like some women like to pay for themselves um, on dates. Uh, I personally have more kind of like heteronormative traditional preferences and I'm like, hmm, I like to be treated, right? Like it, it makes the other person feel kind of special. Um, it's a gesture. What I, what I would encourage is being like, oh, I'd like to get this. Is this cool? Is that cool with you? So if it's not, she can tell you, but yeah, you're like, yeah. hey, I, I want to do this for you. It's a gesture of like treating someone, right? Um, it's not even really about the money. And then what I, what I encourage down the line is like, Ideally, she's going to treat you to some things too, right? And there's going to be some reciprocity in that as it unfolds. But I think it's a really nice gesture of um, treating someone to something. It creates a date vibe and it also, um, it shows that you value their time. It also just feels really nice to be um, treated to something. So I encourage guys to pick up the tab. I, I will say just from my perspective, I do agree with you on basically everything, everything you said, especially for the most part, I'm the one initiating going on the date. It's almost like I asked you to be here. Like, I really appreciate you being here. It is the gesture of me, me paying for you. Um, I know I've heard stories and I'll, I'll be honest, this is one of those situations, a friend and I'm talking about myself. Now, I've actually heard stories about like, guys just not picking up the tab at all or wanting the woman to make the gesture of pain. Mm, yeah. um, I think what matters to me personally the most is just showing appreciation. Like I've had exactly. dates where I've paid and they don't even say thank you or nothing. And that's just yeah. such a turnoff. And yes, that's it, what exactly. I look for that. I look for the thank ways. you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, even if she, if she is offering to pay, right. Even out of a, even out of performance, right. Like, I'll be honest, I've done that on a ton of dates. Like I am, I am like, I, I hope you're going to pick up the tab, but I'm going to offer, <laughs> I'm going to offer and then to be like, oh, okay. Okay. If you insist. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's also why I suggest, uh, phrasing it of, you know, either just doing it, right. Like reading the signs, right. You can either just go ahead and do it. Or if, or if she's kind of like, ruffling around and because it's an awkward moment often yeah. on a date yeah. it's a fucking awkward moment because of what we're describing so if she's kind of ruffling around uncomfortable you can be like oh i've got this right and if, if she's like oh no are you sure and you're like no i'd like to get this is that okay with you right so you can you can just open that door so that if it's not you're you're like being decisive and that directive masculine energy right mm -hmm. um where you're like i've got this is and also it gets to be a conversation if she's like not okay with it for some reason or she really wants to split it for some reason or whatever like if she's really insisting cool right but there might be a little bit of performance back and forth where she's just like oh it's blah, blah, blah. and you're like yeah. no 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 right but like read the situation let it be okay if she wants you know but she might just be saying, oh, we can split it to say we can split. You can feel it in the tone of her voice. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate that. Honestly, yeah. I appreciate that because it's yeah. it gives me the opportunity. It shows yeah. I, I, it shows I'm interested. It's not going to you to like foot the bill on life forever. Right? Yeah, exactly. We want, we want some reciprocity in the gesture. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really nice, 
a thing and like as a woman it just feels really nice to be treated to yeah and i actually i really like treating a woman i also yeah. want to make sure i'm treating a woman that i could treat again and again yeah. and again and not somebody who's just i'm just another guy who she's getting a free date out of and she, you know yeah. over and over and over again so yeah totally. showing to in my opinion showing that gesture means the world to me because it's yeah. like it, you're right it gives me the opportunity to to say nope let me have it and yeah. let's do this again next time and you know it, it yeah. it's yeah like i don't know the appreciation i think just goes a long way with me Exactly. And I think looking at it as a gesture and not really about the money is very important because uh, there's, there gets to be reciprocity in gestures, right? So maybe she's extending a different kind of gesture. So there is reciprocity. It just might not be shaking out and like equal dollar amounts all the time. But like, mm -hmm. ideally, she's going to start treating you to things sometimes or like picking things up for you sometimes down as the relationship builds. And like, I encourage uh, any women listening to to think of it as a gesture and make sure that you're also making gestures. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I know I've hit you a lot of questions. I know we have to wrap this up somewhat soon. Um, but speaking of like a first date, yeah. So let's do pre and post COVID and yeah. during COVID. What are your ideas of a really good first date? Like what to do? Mm -hmm. I say go to the park, bring a six pack and a speaker. And I like a it. <laughs> I like it. No, yeah. I really like that. Keep it simple. Because I've been in the situation, and I know a lot of people have, where you do the normal dinner thing, and mm -hmm. you're stuck within five minutes. You're just like the conversation, the chemistry is not here, and we're we're stuck. Mm. Um, activities always seem, for me personally, to be the way to go. Yeah, activities are a good move, and and things that like you could technically go for a walk. Too. Like you can bring in other activities into it or like, uh, I guess we're talking about first in-person date, right? So typically, I guess what people are doing for the most part right now is they'll meet on Zoom for mm -hmm. quick chat, and which I think is great because it, it's just like, you can tell a lot more. You don't have to drive all the way there. If you're into it, you're already excited for the first in-person date and you get to off the bat have the kind of communication. That's what I think is actually kind of, well, there's a lot of things I think about are exciting about dating right now. Um, but one of them is that we have to have really candid conversation off the bat. Mm -hmm. We have to be respectful of each other's boundaries, right? We have to, we all have different risk tolerances or different factors, or maybe someone's living with their parents or whatever it might be. And like, we have to have honest collaborative dialogue from the start on how we want to navigate the relationship. And what a great way to start a relationship. That sounds efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But you know, you get to do that. You get to be like, here's what I was thinking. How does that sound to you? Right? Like, mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I have been quarantining. I am, you know, seeing a few friends. I would be down to meet in the park. We could keep our distance, bring our mat, whatever you're comfortable with. And like letting that be a dialogue. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's a great point. Um, I know and letting it be awkward, like embracing it and even flirting around COVID dating and how weird it is for both of you. I think that's a great, that's a great point for sure. Yeah. Like that's something I probably need to get better at is not, it's not, we're not in normal times anymore, quote unquote. Yeah. It's already thing. weird. So you might as well get weird with it. Yeah. Use it to your yeah. advantage for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about you and the events you do and everything in the Seattle area. I know you work yeah. remote, so it, yeah. what you do in your programs and how you're branching out and everything. 
like to hear mm -hmm. more about that. Yeah, so in uh, non-COVID settings, I do, I host a few different live event series. Um, one is called Pillow Talks, and it's like a, it's a cocktail party and round table relationship talk. So I invite people of diverse backgrounds, ages, et cetera, and uh, we have a cocktail party and I facilitate a group conversation around relationships. Um, I have a live, I host a live dating game show uh, where I get six contestants up on stage and the audience gets to matchmake them, gets to ask them whatever they want and then matchmake them with each other. Uh, and there's an after party, that one's very rowdy and fun. Um, and then I do a uh, Tinder dinner party series. I haven't done one of those in a while, but get six couples on six first Tinder dates and a chef and we all cook a meal together and have a dinner party. I like this. Uh, yeah, so I like to really, um, I like to just bring humor to dating and subverting dating structures and ultimately bringing people together through the humor of it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I do in my events. And then um, in my client work, I have, uh, I'm currently doing group work. Um, so I have a, my signature program, Magnetics Love School, is a three-month accelerator for romantic skills and magnetism. Uh, and that's very hands-on. It's, it's very hands-on. So that's like the closest way you can work with me. I have two support coaches who help me. And um, there's lots of private content and discussion. And it's really cool. And like the whole group gets close because it's, it's an intimate container. So that's really awesome. I just finished up a men's round. Um, which started actually the week uh, COVID really started to hit the fan. Uh, mm. So that was interesting <laughs> to ride those waves together. We're like, great, we just sign on for three months together. Let's go. Um, and now I'm doing an all women's round, which is awesome. Um, and then I have a membership community called Magnetics Plus, which is uh, access to a, a private portal with a members area. And um, that's for everyone. Uh, a members area and a growing library of resources. So all sorts of private videos, content, uh, podcasts and stuff that I'm building out that library and um, also a Q&A call, coaching call every month. Um, so those, that's currently how I'm working with people. That's um, a lot of ways, which is fantastic. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's and amazing. Then I, have a podcast. I have a podcast too called Pillow Talk Radio. Yeah. You, you do it all and you're <laughs> set up for pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Got to roll with it. The thing I love about your website and your Instagram is you can tell immediately and I can tell during this interview is that you're real and you're authentic. You don't BS. Um, I love the fact that you listed in your bullet points, what I will do for you, what I will not do for you. And I will, I will not BS you. And it's like, yeah. that's, you need to hear it, you know? And yeah. I told you before this interview started call me out my bullshit. If you, if, yeah. you, if I'm saying something that just sounds ridiculous, call me out on it. <laughs> um, I love the authenticity. Um, Thank you. you, you give some really great advice and, you know, a lot of people out there feel like they don't need dating advice or coaching advice or relationship advice. And I love the fact that you do relationships as well. And yeah, we all and do. I think the reality is we, we need to let go of shame around getting outside feedback about mm -hmm. something that sometimes we don't realize how we're coming across or like, I think also we need to let go of the idea that like, in order for us to seek out coaching, there needs to be a problem. Because honestly, most people who seek out coaching are just people who are really interested in uh, 
personal development and like want to want to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. So that's most of my clientele are like really incredible people who, yeah, they're coming sometimes at various stages of dating, but like none of them are like have problems. They just want to deepen. They just want to deepen this area of their life and they're willing to invest the time, money and energy to do that which then makes them super fucking dateable because they prioritized it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I sometimes, uh, match make my clients for fun with people I know. Um, but people always want to meet my clients. Uh, they're very interested because they're like, Oh my God, they're working on their relational skills and like showing up better in relationships. That's so attractive. It is, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're coaching people, it's one of those things where I think people can kind of think real quick, a dating coach, huh? Really? And, but at the end of the day, you're really coaching and helping people in, in, I guess the aspect of their life that makes them the happiest. Like when they find Absolutely. someone that they want to be with and marry, like it's the most important. Thing. It really is. If you think it, about it. Yeah. It's also relational skills. So like this translates over to work relationships. It translates over to friendships. It translates. And the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships. So it's not just the having of the relationship. It's like, is it a high quality relationship? Like mm-hmm. what is your experience within it? Wow. I, I feel like I can talk to you for another five hours. I'm not kidding, <laughs> but that's, that's, you, you need to make money somehow. <laughs> so <laughs> real quick, before I do let you go, yeah. what is your website? Like what's yeah. your Instagram, all that. So people can find you. Yes. Yeah. So website is coraboydcoaching.com. C O R A B O Y D. Uh, Instagram is at the Cora Boyd and the podcast is pillow talk radio with Cora Boyd. And she has some really good content on there. I watched the video today. I'll leave, I'll leave everyone with this where you, was it six, 16 people? Maybe you picked them out randomly of who slept with who yeah. <laughs> you had no idea. And you, you matched them all together. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Cora Boyd has some amazing skills and you saw just a little fraction of that today. I honestly, I really appreciate your time so much. Um, this means a lot to me and, this is one of the major aspects of why I started this podcast. My pursuit of happiness was to get better in a lot of areas in my life that were just maybe struggling or just kind of a little left behind. Um, talking to you has made quite a difference for me already. And I'm sure it has for so many other people listening to this. We had a lot of fun doing it. We can joke about it. Dating should be fun. You should, you got to be able to laugh at it. You really, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the smile on your face and how much you've laughed. And what I'm taking from this is kind of like, even in a bad situation or awkward situation, make, make the best of it, stay positive Mm -hmm. and just take it in small steps and see where it goes. And look at it as a personal journey too. I really view dating as an avenue for personal growth. And if you look at it like that, you have, you have the agency because you can always learn from every interaction. That's, that's so true. You yeah. never know, even if it's a somewhat of like a eh, interaction, yeah. you think it went the like way you did, wanted to go. What meaning did you take from that? What did you learn from that experience? How can you take that with you into the next one? Exactly. That's just, awesome. that's fantastic advice to end this podcast on. Uh, you've been a pleasure, Cora. You can follow me at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast on Instagram. And I'll, I'll catch you next time on, on the next show. Bye.